Oh, yes, Guilty Movie Pleasure fans. Today, we're back with a spooky Christmas classic. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Because today, we're covering Black Christmas. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Guilty Movie Pleasure. I kind of like this new voice. Yeah, this uh, is what happens when I have congestion for over a week, and for, just now, for all the uh, listeners and viewers out there. Oh, we're do- are we done? We're done. We're and we're done. That's nice. it. All right, see you next week. That's cool. Let's get all yeah. the music out of the way in the beginning. Yeah, let's do uh, that. Yeah, for all the listeners and viewers out there, Ben, up until the very moment that we started, was describing the bronchitis yeah. medically to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's what I do. I like to drop some nurse knowledge. <laughs> he was just teaching me about yeah. infection. Yeah. Well, it's because my wife was nervous and my mom, who was a nurse growing up, was like, no, 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 don't worry. Bronchitis she, is the after effects. She of... was a nurse growing up, like, until she went to college. Like, <laughs> no, My mom was a nurse when I was growing up. <laughs> Got is it. What I mean. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Hey, we're back. It's been a minute. God, I don't remember the last show I did. It's been a few weeks for I mean, me. It was 2017. It was, yeah, it was 2017, definitely. Uh, if you haven't tuned in before, I'm Ben Begley, and I'm the host of this show, and if you have tuned in before, welcome back, because with me as always is my partner in crime, Jesse McIntyre. Yes! The duo is back. We've been in different iterations. You and Ryan did The Shallows, mm-hmm. which was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, like it was, two or well, three a couple weeks. weeks ago, yeah, it was uh, the week before Thanksgiving. I feel like I don't know what time is anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, so today we were, I was texting back and forth with Jesse. I don't really know if he had a say in this at all or, no. if, or if I just was like, this is what we're doing. Um, <laughs> this is my, my favorite kind of interaction with respect to the show is when Ben says, uh, what do you think about these three possible things? And I say, oh, that one seems cool. And he's like, but what about this one? And then we end up doing that one. Yeah, I need to be. Yeah, well, no. Here's so. So right now, <laughs> right now, I'm making a promise on air that that Jesse can pick next week. Oh, Jesse's how picking about that? next week. So blame him, good or bad, and you can blame me, good or bad, this week because I wanted to do Black Christmas because the new one's coming out from Blumhouse, mm-hmm. um, which it got a lot of flack at first when they announced it as a PG-13 rating, but after seeing the original. Um, aside from language, there's not a ton of violence no, in it. So, no. like, I feel like a PG-13 could work for the new one. I'm I'm going to go see it this weekend with open, with an open mind. And the director's been tweeting a bunch of stuff, and she seems super cool. So I just want to support her because she just seems like a really cool person. And I I like when cool people make movies that look fun. Yeah, I'm so. not opposed to it. I think yeah. it's a good thing. As yeah. opposed to like dickheads that make sure. movies, you know? Sure. Um, but yeah, I had never seen Black Christmas. It's by Bob Clark, who directed A Christmas Story. Mm. And I had always, like, it's it's been, it's not technically the first slasher film, but it's been labeled as the one that really defined some of the slasher tropes that then other movies later, like When a Stranger Calls, Scream, even Halloween borrowed some stuff from this, uh, that there's a lot of stuff in this movie, The Final Girl, um, the, you know, trying to guess who the killer is, all that stuff. There's a lot of tropes in this movie. This The slutty girl who drinks and is boozy the whole time. Oh, my God. Margot Kidder is incredible in this movie. She's just... How has she not been arrested for everything she does in this film around it was, children? It was a simpler time. It was, I don't yeah, know. 1974. Yeah. They didn't care. Um, but so it had been built up so much in my mind... Um, and I just realized the town is Bedford, like Bedford Falls, and yeah. it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Um, that and and sometimes when I watch older slasher films now, 
my brain can't adjust to the aesthetic. Like I saw the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre way after I should have. And I thought it was good, but I thought it was so raw that like the filmmaking bothered me because it was just like so raw. Yeah. It, it was barely um any it, it but I get why at the time it broke all these rules. And for me, the shots in this were so cool and there were some really fun 70s aesthetics. We'll get to Margot Kidder, but her death scene is my favorite, the way they shot it. It's just like weird and kind of dreamlike and there's some strange stuff in here. There's some quirky, weird characters that I found hilarious. And normally in a slasher film, when only two people get killed in the first hour, and then there's only... This has a relatively low body count. Yeah. But I was entertained the entire time, and I kept... I was cracking up. There was some genuinely creepy stuff in there, which rarely happens for me when I watch um, things that could be considered more dated. I thought all the phone calls were terrifying <laughs> and super weird. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, the shot with his eyeball looking through the crack is awesome. There's just some really great cinematography in this. And it reminded me of the first time I saw John Carpenter's Halloween, like how even though that movie is could be considered dated by just its time period and everything, it's still effective for me. The first Halloween is one of my favorite slashes. And now this one has become one of my new favorite uh, um one of my new favorite horror films, and especially one of my new favorite Christmas movies. I think I'm going to watch this every year. Now I'm excited to see what you think after I just gushed over it for about seven and a half minutes. Yeah, I thought it was good. Let's yeah. see the plot in under three minutes. No. <laughs> That'd be incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed it. I, like you, have a hard time sort of like readjusting yeah. um, to older films without the context of like having seen everything that was influenced by those films. Like it's really hard to appreciate them um, with a with a clean slate. Does it does it palette. also sometimes is it also sometimes difficult because you've seen so many things that they did in this movie repeated over and over again? Yeah, that's what I mean. And like I've yeah. I've seen the movies that have borrowed and mm-hmm. paid homage and all of this, and so like it's it's not a groundbreaking experience to watch this movie. It's not there, there's nothing new really. In even though this at the movie, time it was. even though it it was the new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I th- I think that uh, I think the way they told the story was really well done. Yeah, right. It it sort of like uh, was ahead of me the whole time. Yeah, I had I was sitting there like who who what's going on? Like who's the killer? What's happening? You yeah, know? I mean I I checked out for a couple minutes because I was like I know that it's this one guy who yeah. they like are sort of pointing. Oh, I was gonna be so pissed the if whole it was. time. And then I think they did a really interesting thing at the end. Um, but like even, even the journey all the way through, they, they kept it interesting and they kept like, for me, one of the things in horror movies that sort of drives me crazy is like, why don't you just leave? Like, why don't you get out of there? Mm-hmm. But they, I never felt that way in this movie. Cause they never know. That's the crazy thing is they believably, 
they believably kill off people with no one knowing for so long. For so long. Because it makes sense. It's like, you're like, oh, yeah. And at first I was like, why didn't they just check the whole house? And then I'm like, oh, it is just this weird attic that only the, the sorority mom knows about. Right. And and the whole time, like, this is something that, uh, this is one of the things that was borrowed by, from, or Scream borrowed this, was the, the phone calls coming from inside the house. Yeah. Um, but the, the expectation set the whole time is the danger is outside. Yeah. You have to stay in. Um, and the, and, the flip of that was, was really well executed and really well done. Which I think for me, since at the time people probably didn't realize it was coming from inside the house, right. maybe, I don't know. I can't put myself in their brains, but since I knew it was coming from inside the house, it made the tension that much more palpable for me or palpable. Palpable, yeah, yeah. Uh, palpable. Mm-hmm. I'm just adding syllables. So, anyways, it made the tension more. Pamplemousse. It made the tension more uh, ever present for me mm-hmm. because papapoose. <laughs> yes, because I knew he was there, and right. I was like, "Fuck, just leave." Right. Sorry, it's gonna be swearing. Whatever. Fuck it. It's there's swearing in a lot of the clips, but it's like there's parts where I'm like, "Just leave. Get out of there," yeah. because he's there, and um. I, I was I wore I, I watched this yesterday during the day with the curtains drawn and headphones on and it still creeped me out because the phone calls are really eerie and because it, and I read I read afterwards on some of the trivia on IMDb that it's like it's a mix of the actor who played the killer the director and a female actress at the time uh, and some of it's gibberish some of it's like and so it's really unnerving because I'm I'm like. I'm trying to figure out what they're saying, and it's even weirder that you only get glimpses of it. Yeah, and what you do is really gross and like weird. It's extremely like so. Th- I there are a couple things in it where I was like, ah, I don't know. One of the things was the when they start screaming. Yeah. in the phone, if they're inside the house, they would also hear them screaming in the house. I would assume because oh, we yeah, do yeah, yeah. hear someone yeah. at some point screaming when she wakes up from the yeah. bad dream. We hear her screaming. That's a good point. Um, so, and I actually preferred the version of the, fo- or the portions of the phone calls when it was, yeah. when you couldn't understand what was going on. It was just, yeah, that was way creepier to yeah. me than when they started raising their voice and started like freaking out on well, the other end. And this was, um, I may be mistaken. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure I read that this was, uh, one of the first times the they they'd f- made the pov shot by strapping the camera to his chest mm. and doing this mini rig so he could climb up all those shots are really tense and creepy when he's going through that attic first of all it's like why is there all this shit in the attic this attic is horrifying like yeah. there's a creepy ass like old horse for like a toddler in there it's just like <laughs> for all the toddlers in the sorority, in the sorority house. yeah yeah but i was just really impressed by how a film from 1974 that's very methodically paced Still kept my attention, and I I can't remember if I said this already. My brain, I have so many... <laughs> I had a cold, and I have so many antibiotics and medications in my system, I might repeat myself. <laughs> this is going to be a fun show. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be better than when I do the uptime. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I usually when a slasher film... I started to say this, and I may have got off topic. Usually when I see a slasher film, I want to fast forward through the first 40 minutes till the kills start, because it's just like... Like the Friday the 13th movies, they're a lot of fun, but a lot of times I just don't give a shit about anybody. Mm-hmm. And in this one, I found myself like, I cared about Jess's story and her boyfriend, and I thought it was really uh, edgy that they were bringing up abortion yeah. and confronting it so much. But then I started thinking about other movies like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which I know is the 80s in Greece. There were movies that were talking about abortion, and I feel like then 
it became like something where it was like, don't talk about that ever again. But I was just shocked to have it like one of the craziest statements to me was when like uh, after he realizes her boyfriend, um, Peter, after he realizes his recital went bad and he's like smashing at the piano, uh-huh. which is like a precursor to whiplash when yeah. he's like going nuts and sweating. And the three old white dudes are just staring at him as he's doing his recital, which I didn't know a recital was in front of three people. I I don't know I, a lot there's about. A, there's a lot I have to learn about uh, conservatory recitals. I, guess so. I don't know a thing about them. But when his dreams are crushed, and so then he's like, "Look, I'll quit the conservatory and I'll I'll move away with you. We can start a family." And she's like, "Just because you can't have your dreams doesn't mean mine are stopping." Yeah. And I was like, "Damn!" Yeah, I was like, "That's great!" I like know. that's a super progressive thing for 1974. And I think that there were some really interesting themes. I think Margot Kidder. Even though she's kind of a caricature of that person, you can also buy that there's somebody like that. Mm. And I just loved all the characters. I loved all the quirky, weird, like Nash, the dumb deputy or, or the dumb captain or he whatever. Was, he was so good. He was so funny. Because he didn't, his performance was unbelievable because he didn't play it like no. a, an oaf. No. He was just like a regular, like overworked yeah. dude so... who just was so stupid. Yeah. It was really good. There, and the acting still stands up. Like, yeah. I really like the acting. I, I I can't get over how good this movie is. And the new one has a high bar to clear, but it looks like they're going in a different direction. It looks like they're going in a more kind of, like, fun, fast-paced 90s slasher version. Like, I know what you did last summer type mm-hmm. thing. We'll see. But anyways, let's do the plot in under three minutes. Let's how do we, it. Let's do that. You ready in the boot there, Ryan? I'm we so are... glad we both liked it. Yeah. Yes. We did it. How rare. <laughs> um... <laughs> It happens like once every other episode. Once every other Christmas. We are all set, y'all. Okay. Count you in. In five, four, three, two, one. So we set up that there's uh, this creepy-ass Silent Night playing in the beginning, and there's a stalker looking, following um, Jess to the sorority home. Uh, he climbs up, goes in the attic, and then all the sorority sisters are getting ready to leave for the holiday, and Margot Kidder's character is pissed off at her mom because she's going to go hook up with her boyfriend or something like that and leave her. So then she's like, all right, we're all going to plan a skiing trip that never really materializes, mainly because people get murdered. Um, and then, uh, shoot, who's the first one that goes up? Um, uh, the I forget her name, but w- one of the... Claire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, her boyfriend leaves, and yep. then she goes up, and she gets strangled with a with, with the, uh, dry oh, cleaning so bag. Good, the dry cleaning bag. Yeah. It's such an awesome sequence. And then they're all getting they're all getting ready for this big, like they're, they're helping out with kids like a charity thing, a charity thing the next day underprivileged kids, which we'll get to because it's incredible. Because yeah. no one should ever take these kids to this sorority. They're they're like they have their boyfriend in the beginning who's like bald with like a be- everybody looks forty. Yeah. Um, then the sorority mom Two comes minutes. home and she's hysterical. She's just she's hid bottles of whiskey everywhere in the sorority house and she's just drinking left and right. And then she hears something, and she goes up, she hears the cat. The cat gets so many people killed. Yeah. She goes up in the attic, and she gets a hook to the face yep. from the killer. Yep. She's dead. M- meanwhile, the first girl's dad has showed up, and yeah. he's trying to find her, and she didn't show up to the meeting spot. So he goes to the sorority house, and the sorority mom's like, I, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, before I that. Seen her. Sorry, yeah. That's okay. They go to the police station. The policeman takes down the information, doesn't take him seriously. Nash. So they Good leave. old Nash. Yep. Um, and then there's a there's a young girl that goes missing. Yes, and they don't. So now there's Claire's missing and a young thirteen year old. So there's this cool kind of detective kind of weird. The, 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 you don't know who's killing who, whatever. And they they all go on a search party. They join the search party. So then my brain's trying to calculate who's missing, for who's right. who's at the search party, and who's still at the house, who could still be the killer. And they find the body of the thirteen year old girl, and it's a super dark scene. 
And then um, the sorority mom gets killed, and then uh, oh god! Um, and then Jess comes back, and or, oh, yeah, Peter she tells, goes nuts yeah, on his she, piano, right? And oh, she no, tells him about the the baby, first. and then he's like, "Well, I we should keep you." And she's like, "No, no, no I'm going to have an abortion. I didn't even want to tell you." And then he has a terrible recital. He goes nuts on the piano. Uh, he comes back and proposes to her. Yeah, um, and she's like, "No, not interested." Yeah, and then he leaves, and he gets real weird. And then and then the. A drunk girl is upstairs having a nightmare. Yeah. So she goes up and she uh, like calms her down, and then because she thought someone was in the room. Yes, and then it turns out somebody was in the room. Yeah. By the way, we're going to spoil the ending pretty soon. So if you haven't seen this, stop listening. And then for the next so she gets seconds. killed, and then by her, a unicorn statue. Yeah. Awesome sequence. And then her friend goes up, and she gets there. Uh, they've traced the calls, so they're yeah. trying to like track any oh, call that, that comes in. So good. And then he runs, and he's like, "They're come. It's come from in the house." Ten seconds. And then she uh, goes up or and tries it, and then she runs around. Yeah. And he goes down. The and basement. then the boyfriend breaks in, and, mm-hmm. and they cut away, and he and she kills him, and she's knocked out, and they Time's think it was the boyfriend, up. and then it ends up being somebody else. Somebody we'll get else. to. We'll get to. Like I said, okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. It's yeah. it's hard for me to remember exactly the the placement, the of order of things. Yes. But like we were saying, there's so many cool moments in this movie. Like, just the analog way of them tra- tracking the phone call was such a suspenseful, cool sequence for me. Like, every time he's running, I don't even know what he's that doing. That was actually, like, it was fascinating. so interesting. It was fascinating <laughs> I was to me. like, I would love to watch a 15-minute extra just of, like, what, this what all the means. fuck is going on here? What, like, what is he tracking? Yeah, because he's going and he's looking at, like, all the... Like he's at the telephone company, and he's looking at every active call. But I don't know how he's like tracing which calls which, and then he plugs into it, and then he hears the voice and realizes it's, it's yeah. And but I have no idea how he's doing it. But his every character, even if we don't learn a lot about them, they have a distinct point of view and a distinct way of speaking mm. and carrying themselves. Like each person. So often in horror films, it just feels like cardboard cutouts of people. Sure. This feels like real people that are plucked and planted in this story. Even, like, the random farmer that comes in later to the police station that shot the (laughs) cop in the ass. That's such a funny sequence because he's just like, well, the police officer was trespassing on my property. He got an ass full of buckshot, you know, and it's just like... Every character feels like they live in this small town. Yeah, they, and, he came in, if I'm not mistaken, he came in holding his gun to the police station. That he shot a it's cop like, with. No, none of the other officers that responded to the scene were like, hey, man, yeah. we're going to bring you in. You're going to have to leave your gun. <laughs> you can't carry that Because it's not like he's station. harmless. He shot a cop in the ass. He's already used it. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into some, uh, some sound clips here because I really want to get into this movie. And like I said, if you haven't seen it, uh, stop watching. Watch it, come back, because I don't want to spoil the ending. But um, if you have seen it, keep keep going. Uh, or if you don't care, whatever. Uh, let's do <laughs> clip number one, because this is this is the breathing. So, like, Jason had that... And Michael Myers is just silent with the... With the... Uh, um, why can't... Oh, my God. The dun, hol- dun, yeah, thank dun, you. Dun, Halloween dun, theme dun, just... Dun, it's the Claritin oh, D. <laughs> Halloween theme just went out of my ears. Uh, my brain. Let's play his breathing. This is the killer's breathing in the beginning. Yeah. I I have a a friend who back in uh when we had sleepovers back in the day, uh he would breathe like that when he slept. (laughs) And and all of us were like, dude, you breathe creepy when you sleep. 
And he'd be like, no, I don't. And so one time we recorded him, I swear it sounded just like this. Okay, stop, stop. It's too weird. It's too weird. It's too weird. That's such a hard note to take. Like, you breathe weird when you're asleep. How do you like, fi- well, I don't, I don't know. How do you fix that? I don't know what to do. I- <laughs> well, thank you for giving me a complex right. for the rest of my I'm existence. I'm never going to be able to fall asleep peacefully. Um, I did have a clip, but I didn't, I didn't do it because out of context of it, it didn't, it wasn't that funny. But the first time I watched the movie, when Jess picks up the phone and she instantly starts yelling, yeah. I, I laughed out loud. She was like, pardon? Who? And she just yells so loud. I just, I don't know why I found it so funny, but I didn't realize the context yet that they were getting prank calls and she thought that's what it was. And it turned out to be uh, Margot Kidder's mom, which this is one of the first introductions to Margot Kidder. So they're having this whole party and uh, her character's name is, uh, oh God, I'll find it. I'll find it here somewhere. I just have her as Margot Kidder the entire time. Anyways, uh, Barb, Barb, that's her name. So... They're introduced where they're all drinking and having fun with their boyfriends. Like I said, all of them look 30s. They're old-ass boyfriends. <laughs> they're old-ass boyfriends. This is like a weird cult sorority where they all are required to date the <laughs> professor's brothers. Like, this is... Yeah. It, I, I actually uh, looked up the age yeah. of the uh, Peter. Yeah. The the boyfriend. Oh, he looks super who, old. He's He was 38 when this movie came out. And, and the... Um, Chris looks old too, and he has that super sweet, like giant furry the jacket, fur like Dolomite. I'm yeah. like, what is going on? But that's the thing. There's all these weird details that seem so quirky and fun, and and I can tell that the director of a Christmas story did this because there's some ridiculous little nudges. Mm-hmm. Now the casting of 38 year olds to be dating college that kids was tough. That's tough. Yeah, but the the coat, I can take that. Like, no wonder he's ready to get married, man. He's like. <laughs> He's been in college for 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> I even wrote, are they all 49? I don't know why specifically I thought 49 was funny. They're not quite 50. So Margo's on the phone. Barb's on the phone with her mom. And you can... this. The best thing is this line is hysterical, but it happens in the background of Chris and Claire saying goodbye to each other. Clip number two. You're a real gold-plated whore, I'm not See you next week. <laughs> It's almost like a like a tucked away afterthought, but it's one of the funniest. She's saying this to her mom. Yeah, and it a has real gold plated whore. You legitimately know, that no impact on the story. We never meet her mother. We don't follow that thread. It's just I like, feel like we just we just know where Barb's coming from when uh, when she you gets know, sloshed. When she gets sloshed, and she's saying super vulgar things in front of children. Yeah. She's. This is skipping ahead. I just want to trace the debauchery of Barb. Yeah. Where she's um, she's with Claire's dad at this fundraiser for kids of some sort, underprivileged kids. I don't know. They say underprivileged kids. Sure. But, yeah. And she's letting him drink champagne, and she like starts like making him chug the champagne. And I'm like, <laughs> where are the parents? Right. Where are the parents for these kids? And poor- they're, I mean, they're underprivileged. Maybe yeah, maybe it's an orphanage or something. I don't know. I don't but know. It's, it's and then poor Claire's dad, he's just thrown into all this and like not only is my daughter missing, but I've realized maybe I shouldn't have sent her to this sorority house. Sure, like, there is some shit going down in this. place. I mean, I would argue like what were your expectations, sir? In the seven, yeah, you know you what know? were your expectations? Right, and a boozy house mom. Oh, it's so funny. So then, um, uh. 
there's oh god yeah this is really weird so is clip number three yeah this is the moaner prank call so so we've met all the sorority girls we've met jess we've met um we've met phil uh i think is philomena i guess i guess barb phil barb jess claire and that's it pretty much yeah yeah, Phil, Barb, Tastes Jess, like and... Phyllis. Phyllis, yeah. Uh, What's Phil? Yeah, Phyllis makes sense. Phyllis, Barb, Jess, and Claire, and then the house mom are your main people you're following. And then the boyfriends are Chris and Peter, and then Claire's dad. That's your main yep. That's your main group, just so we know the main players. Now let's play, uh, this is when we get our first phone call. And I didn't pull the entire thing because it's super long, and it gets very vulgar, yeah. to the point where YouTube will pull our shit down. Yes. Let's play the moaner prank call. Expanded his act. Could that be one person? No, Claire, that's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir doing their annual obscene phone call. It's so weird. And then he does like this whole thing where he's like, eh, eh, eh. Because, like, the reason those phone calls are so unnerving is because at one moment you're like, oh, this is just some frat boy pranking. And then it gets like so weird that you're like, what the fuck? What? What's happening? Yeah. And then it gets super weird, and then it goes back to being kind of comedic again, and it goes on forever. We're like, they're just panning across all the sorority sisters as this dude just talks about super gross shit. Well, t- immediately, I was like, this guy's masturbating. Yeah. And Oh, yeah, you could... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, to me, I'm like, if... if he is a violent masturbator. He, yes. Ah! Right. Well, then he, like, transitions. That's his O-face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was watching Deep Dish Orgy. That is that. Does that timeline work? I don't know when that movie came out. Uh, <laughs> but, no, but uh, I'm sure there's some universe where it does. Uh, but so <laughs> these, all these women are just like gathered around the phone listening to this, and none of them, yeah, none of them are like. I would actually prefer not to listen. They're all like, I'm actually. Uh, I want to follow along yeah. here. I don't want to miss anything. Hear the story. Yeah. Right. No. No. Yeah. I, uh, let me know what happens. I'm gonna go use the bathroom. Yeah. Tell me what happens. But they're all like crowded, around, and no one is ever like, like they report this to the police after people start going missing. Yeah. It's like, why didn't you immediately call the police and say, I "Hey, there's some creep calling our phone." I guess back then, it's just like maybe you could just. If it's a small town and nothing really has happened, you're just like, oh, it's just some stupid frat boy, you know, until shit escalates. Yeah, I guess. But the second the kid goes missing is when it should be like, oh, by the way, which they do say that, but then Nash is just like, nah, it's nothing. Yeah. You know, it's I blame Nash for everything yeah, wrong that's, that happens. You're doing the right thing. Um, but the sorority mom comes home and she's fantastic. I could have watched an entire movie of just her. She comes in. Everybody loves her. You can see why everyone gets away with there's there's so much backstory built into just their interactions where like you can see why everybody gets away with everything. Cause she comes in, she has booze hiding everywhere. She has it hidden with a string in a toilet. Yeah. And, and doesn't wipe off the lip of the bottle. <laughs> she just I mean, I it. know it's like toilet water and it's clean because it's not like urines in the toilet bowl. Sure. Or in the, you know, the back part of it. But it's still like rusty and shit and like from pipes in the ground it's just i wouldn't drink it i wouldn't either yeah you know like i'm even 
you, you know, they hide guns back there in like the Godfather, and I'm like, you should probably Purell that first yes, yes. before you whack that there guy. There are germs everywhere. There are gems everywhere. Look at this. We're going through all kinds of Google searches right now. Are we googling germs in the in the uh, yeah. <laughs> in the toilet tank? So she's oh yeah, and then she not only does she get it from the toilet, she then uses the boo the toilet booze to mm-hmm. swish and spit after brushing her teeth. Yeah, I thought that was strange that she she loves booze, but then was willing to waste a certain amount of booze also, to just mouthwash. I thought she was brushing her teeth to get rid of the booze smell, and then she's like, "No, I want to coat these gums yeah, with it. I don't want to actually drink. I just want people to f- to think that I was drinking." <laughs> Yeah, I want to, uh, when I get pulled over for a DUI, be Uh like, ha-ha, got you, sucker. Yep, set you up. (laughs) Could you imagine if somebody thought that would be fun? Like, hey, I'm going to make a cop think I'm drunk, so then I can pass every test. (laughs) Only a drunk person would think that. No sober person would be like, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to entrap myself. (laughs) Only a boozy sorority mom, yes. So then, so Claire goes up, and this is a, this is a super creepy shot. There's... It reminds me, that's where I feel like Halloween and this are similar, and you can see Halloween took influences from this, where there's like, I was searching frames for stuff to find that's mm. creepy. Like, when she pulls the her clothes out and she's packing behind the, the dress bag, um, or the dry cleaning bag, you see just the silhouette of what looks like a human face, and it's super creepy. And then you're just waiting for her. There's not really any jump scares in this movie, no. per se. No. Like, even when she goes back, it's not like, ha ha, I got you! It's more like, inevitable you know and that kind of makes it even creepier where like you're just sitting there waiting for it to happen and then when it does it's so quick and usually i get bummed out when slasher films don't have a ton of gore but for some reason this one i didn't mind it i actually liked that they cut away from stuff like they just show her like this for a second and then they they cut back to her constantly in this chair where yeah there you go can we show this to our audience at home and, and that might even be the remake. I'm not sure, but it looks like I can't tell. But um, I have my glasses on. The uh, they keep cutting back to her rocking in the attic window, dead, yeah. and it's super eerie. Yeah, they uh, and they never took the bag off. No, it's like she's dead, man. Just like oh, it's even weirder because of that. And yeah. this is actually he's he's singing to her as he's rocking her, and it sounds like Elmer Fudd. Can we play clip number four? If that doesn't creep you out, I don't know what does. Yeah. That's that's cool that he found something to do like an echo effect on his singing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. It's cool that he found that. Yeah. And that whole time you're just I think if I remember right, the camera's here and she just keeps rocking close to it and then far away. Close to, and it's just super because it's his POV right. as he's like staring at her, rocking. Um so now we go to the party. Not party, it's the uh the charity event for sure. the underprivileged children, which as far as I can understand is just them sitting on a very shitty looking Santa's lap who's cussing all the time and Barb is trying to booze up some kids for who knows what reason. Yeah. They pr- I would I don't know why there was booze at this event to be honest. It's like in the middle of the day there are college kids and underprivileged children. Yeah. It's like who is this booze for? And the the dude is so pissed because he's like you're taking my girlfriend 
away from me because I guess he's been looking forward to something they were going to do. And so he's like, you bitch, blah, blah, blah. And can we play clip number five? Because this is their interaction. After that, mind you, a child is on his lap this entire time thinking they're talking to Santa. Isn't Santa naughty? Ho, 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 fuck. (laughs) Doesn't even make sense. The best thing is that, I mean, these poor kids, they're so underprivileged that they don't even react. No. They're just used to this. Yeah. This is, that's what they would expect Santa to say. Every, if, if he had just said, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, he would have been like, you're not Santa. Every Santa I've ever met says, ho, ho, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I bet the uh, the dad in Gremlins, um, you remember that story? Mm-mm. Where the dad is on top of the roof in Gremlins and he falls in and he gets stuck. Mm. I'll bet before, uh, I think he breaks his neck, but I'll bet when he started to fall... His reaction was, oh, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> Rewatch Gremlins. It's super dark. Okay. <laughs> um, so so then this whole sequence is ridiculous, but I love it. Then Barb's having the kid chug champagne, and Claire's dad is there just trying to find his daughter. Um, Jess tells her boyfriend she's pregnant, and she wants an abortion. He's immediately like, you can't do that. Yeah. You don't have a choice. And like we talked about in the beginning, there's this really kind of interesting very frank discussion on it that 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 i thought was very cool to see in the 1970s movie yeah it was unexpected yeah for sure and then um oh and then they get another prank call which so you know now knowing that what we know about horror tropes it makes sense why this call happens with where'd you put the baby because he just overheard them talking about this so there's these little clues that he's in the house and this prank call specifically, he he starts trying to mess with Jess. Now, why he doesn't kill people off immediately? Maybe he likes to make them afraid. Maybe he's like Pennywise. He feeds on their fear for a little bit. Who knows? Or we just wouldn't have a movie. Right. Uh, let's play clip number six. I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. Where's your mother and I must know is. Where did you put the baby? You've got the wrong number. Where did you put egg, Billy? Look, I'm telling you, you have the wrong number. What your mother and I must know is... Oh. Yeah, I would have hung up way before she hung up. And the music's horrifying. Yeah, and just I, yelling, no, I'm sorry, you have the... Can I help you find the person that you're trying to... What your mother read? and I must know Billy no, is... wrong number. Who is... Can Does Billy have a last name? Oh I can maybe God. redirect you. It's so weird, and... I read that the composer, um, he actually put, like, forks and spoons on the strings in the piano, like silverware, mm. so that it would reverberate and echo weird and have this kind of, like, wobbling sound to it. Interesting. Because all the music is super unnerving, too. Just like in John Carpenter's Halloween. It's just, like, the simplicity of these movies is what's so great. Um, so then, uh, yeah, so then I said this is the original piano version of the movie Whiplash when he's doing the recital. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, like... He's just jamming, and he I think he's doing great, but what do I know about concert pianists? I mean, I as much as I know. He cause... seems like he's, other than the fact that he looks like he's holding in a giant shit the entire time because his face is red and he's sweating profusely. Yeah. Um, other than that, I feel like he, he sounds flawless in his piano skills. Sure, and, but the, the evaluator is there just like all three. His head. Yeah, Not even like, all three. Mm. They're just like this. They're what I've heard SNL auditions are like, where you're lucky if you get one laugh out of it. Oh, man. I wouldn't know. Was he, do you think he was going for laughs in his piano recital? <laughs> he was like, I just want to laugh. Yeah. Come on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I chose a whimsical song. Now, do you think he, he, he was in that emotional state because of the conversation he just had with Jess, and that's what screwed up his dreams? Or do you think he was going to fail no matter what? Because I personally think he was going to fail no matter what. I think, well, the way it's, it's, a combo. The way it's set up was that he hasn't slept for three days, right? Oh, Isn't yeah, that yeah, what he yeah. says on the phone? Yeah. But I th- he's like, I haven't slept for three days. I don't need to deal with this right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think we're meant to believe that he was affected by the conversation. Yeah. Um, I think it's that. Or that he's, I think also, I think they're hinting that he's a psychopath, maybe. Yeah. Which I think... He- uh, he might be. He might be. Yeah, it might be. I think whether or not... Well, we've already warned people about spoilers. Yeah. The fact that he turns out not to be the killer, I think very well he may have been coming there to kill her, even if he wasn't I th- the I killer. I would argue almost definitely, yeah. because he breaks into the basement <laughs> yeah. to get to find her. Yeah, yeah. There's some weird shit. Yeah, that's There's not some weird, normal that's behavior. That's not normal behavior if you're... Yeah. Um, okay, so now uh, Chris goes to the police station. He's yelling... Uh, and we get introduced to Lieutenant Ken. I forget his last name, but I, I just like calling him Lieutenant Ken. Sure. And um, he's he's great. He's finally a police officer that listens. And there's some fun stuff with his storyline that uh, we probably won't have time to get into because we have eight minutes. Um, now let's get back to Margot Kidder because I fucking love her stuff. So Claire's dad, mind you, has not his daughter's been missing for over 24 hours now. And uh, and Mar- uh, Barb, Margot Kidder, decides to lighten the mood by talk- giving us a little zoology lesson sure. with clip number eight, please. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry. Could I'm, you give me? I'm sorry. Actually, you're right. Yeah, this is first. So this is when they go to the police station and Nash is asking for the sorority house phone number so they can call if anything happens, mm-hmm. if they find Claire. And I don't know wh- how numbers worked back in the 70s, but apparently... I need a, a phone tutorial yeah. of, like, yeah. every single function. Let's because I don't get it. Clip number seven with Nash Excuse and Barb. Mm-hmm. Could you give me the number at the sorority house? Please. Oh, and she opens a beer in the police station and is drinking. Yeah, sure. It's, uh... Fellatio 20880. What? <laughs> Felicia. It's a it's a new exchange. F E. It's a new one on me. How do you spell it? Capital F E little L L A T I O. Thanks. Don't mention it. <laughs> her her insistence there on little L. Little L is my favorite. Oh, part that's of totally things. a jab. Yeah. And at first, I was like, "Oh, he's just like screw you." Mm-hmm. But the best is later on. We're just going to play the next uh, number nine because this is the callback to it, where uh, Lieutenant Ken finds the the number for the sorority house, and the other cop is just losing his mind, laughing. Yeah. And so he goes up to Nash and he asks him about it. Can we play clip number nine? What's this? Well, that's the number at the sorority house. Felicia? Yeah, it's a new exchange. F.E. No exchange? Yeah, Felicia. One of the girls that was in this afternoon gave it to me. That's the best line ever. She gave it to you. Yeah. Nash, I don't think you could pick your nose without written instructions. The best line in that is... Yeah, one of the girls that was in here earlier, she gave it to me. Yeah, she gave it to you. <laughs> and then, and then his when it dawns on him, and he's like, 
he looks around. He's like, oh, it's something dirty, isn't it? <laughs> so good. So this doesn't have, you don't need to play the sound clip, Ryan, but this is a story uh, that happened with my mom after she saw this spoof movie I did, The Hungover Games. Uh-huh. Um, instead, it, It's a spoof on The Hunger Games, whatever, and instead of the tribute thing that they do in The Hunger Games, uh, we held up the shocker. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, I saw the hungover games and it wasn't that vulgar. I don't understand. And we were like, what? It's like super dirty, mom. The movie, when they talk about the shocker, she's like, what's the shocker? Mind you, we're in uh, New Mexico visiting my parents for our bridal shower for her friends. And the shocker is brought up. Perfect. And one of the doctors, uh, everybody's drinking and we're all having a good time. One of the doctors draws... Uh, what uh, like a cartoon of what it is and slaps it on a post-it note on my mom's back and she walks around for about an hour before she realizes it and then she's like oh that's what it means that's disgusting I'm never watching this movie again and I'm just like this is a typical bridal shower in my family your mom canceled you (laughs) she canceled me that's too bad oh cancel culture (laughs) and was this person sorry was this person a doctor when they were growing up or they're a doctor Uh, now both okay got it okay both um just uh <laughs> so so then we're really starting to ramp up that um that Peter's nuts because he mm-hmm. smashes the piano which mm-hmm. I'm guessing he's going to have to pay for. I don't think he owns yeah, it. I would assume so. Oh, there's a creepy scene where the cat hops up on on the on Claire's body. He's licking, licking oh. the bag. Oh. Um so then the sorority mom she goes upstairs and there's this great just the tension just builds and builds and builds where She's looking, and he's just holding the hook, waiting for her. Mm-hmm. And he waits till she turns, and she's going to see it coming. Then it cuts away, and then we do see the aftermath of it. So we get a little gore. But, man, the, the tension is so good in this movie. Yeah, it is I really interesting it. the way they don't, they don't show any of no. it. Not no. Not a single one. Huh. They, show the, they show the hook after. They and then, show the bag a little bit, and they show the pick being... Uh, the unicorn horn going yeah, down, going but thrust it blood, down. but you never see... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we don't even see what happens to and Phil. Like the, we just see yeah. she's dead later. Yeah. But there's something kind of cool about it. And that. we also don't see, uh, what's Peter? or Peter, yeah. They cut off. Oh, that's my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah. We'll get to that. Um, so now, uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the killer goes insane in the attic and just starts breaking shit. Mm-hmm. And, and that scene was so weird. Because then you just saw Peter go nuts. And so you're like, oh, fuck. It's totally Peter. Yeah. Like, the whole movie, I'm like... I was like, maybe it's the dad, but then I was like, the dad, it can't be, because I've seen the silhouette of the hair, and I'm like, it looks like Chris, but Chris was at the the um, search party mm-hmm. when the when uh, Claire was, or when one of the other kids, I don't know, but then I was like, it's got to be Peter, but I'm like, if it's Peter, I'm going to be fucking pissed, because yeah. that's too obvious, Yeah. but I love movies like that, where they make you guess the whole time. Um, we already did Nash as an idiot. I just wrote, this is the world's worst police station, like, nobody's good at their job here. Yeah. Um... And then they tap the phones. We already talked at length about how cool that whole sequence is. And then, again, they cut to the dead body rocking with now a baby doll in its arms. And it's like, this character is getting super weird. The killer goes into Margot's room, in Barb's room, and she has an asthma attack. And she's like, oh, I had a nightmare that that there was a man in my room. And you're you're like, no, there was. Yeah. There was. Yeah. And then I think you even see the shadow. Yeah, you see, yeah, the, you see shadow. the shadow in the back. Yeah. Oh, that's the kind of shit that's so great. Or like when Laurie Strode in Halloween thinks she's stabbed Michael Myers, thinks he's dead, and she's just sitting there crying, and you just see in the background, out of focus, him sit up. It's like that stuff is so effective. Yeah. I love that kind of scare. Um, so then the farmer shot the cop. We already did all that. The unicorn statue is fantastic. And it's shot in this kind of like 
like through glass kind of blurry like we, it's beautiful how yeah. i've never seen someone killed in a beautiful way until <laughs> it's so weird to Turn say it that into art oh god we have a minute and 40 okay so they anyways they find out that oh the call is coming from inside the house and then she goes upstairs and she finds barb and phil dead on the bed and the killer is speaking th- you see this awesome shot of a close up of his eyeball which is right here if you can see it whatever you got to look it up uh, look up black christmas eyeball and he's saying uh well we're going to skip screwing turtles who cares uh and um you'll just have to watch the movie to find out what screwing turtles means and he's it's just a close up on his eye as he's saying this stuff as Jess has just seen two of her best friends murdered clip number 10 it's me billy So she slams the door on him. He gets injured. Um, he chases after her. They shoot it in this really cool way where you only get glimpses of like his hands and his hair. And you're like, oh, it's totally Peter. Or yeah. I mean, Peter. Yeah, Peter. Peter. And she runs down in the basement and hides. Because they've locked all the doors. They realized earlier that there was only one door that was locked. <laughs> Which so is my favorite were... line. Do you realize this yeah. is the only locked yeah. door? Uh, okay, so let's lock all the doors. But then she can't get out. And yeah. so she runs down to the basement. And then we see. Because it's back in the olden times when right. you use the key to. They show that earlier, yep. so it's not a plot hole. Yep. So we see that shot his is so... shadow walking. The first shadow that appears, where yeah. it's just like half a face, is super creepy. Yeah. And then we see that it's him. She's hiding in the dark. He's calling her name, and then he breaks the window, Yeah, comes down into the basement. Which, at this point, he hasn't been made aware that there's somebody killing people yet, right? Uh, I can't remember. I don't... I mean, he knows of the dead girl in yeah, the park, but, he but I don't think know. he knows the sorority girls. So yeah, are this killed. is a weird reaction to break in and be like... Very weird to break into the basement. Unless he heard screaming, and that's why. Either way, Peter's still strange to me. Yes. And then he's like, I'm here... Don't worry, and and and, every, and he said we can run away together. And then the police officers, we forgot oh, the police so officer good. keeping watch was killed. So yeah. the policemen next c- yeah. run back uh, to the house and they find him dead and her dying. Yeah, because so it cuts away. Yeah, he lunges at her, it cuts away. Yeah, he's been bludgeoned to death with the fire poker. We forgot she grabbed the pi- fire poker when she grabs a weapon. Yeah, smart. Yeah, um, and he's dead. And they just automatically are like, I knew it was Peter all along because they found that we forgot that the lieutenant finds the smashed piano. They start piecing together that he's a real maniac. He's yeah. a real creep no matter what. And that he was had, a, had an angry streak. Um, but then the cops are like, oh, we got to get the other bodies out of here. They're not used to having this many bodies at the morgue. They all leave and they leave one cop on duty out front. And Billy, which is the character's actual name, Billy is the killer. He, mm. You see the, the attic open up and he slinks down again and then it's just this pan out shot from claire's body still rocking as you just you're waiting for a scream or something and all you hear is the phone ringing again yep and it just keeps ringing and it's such an unnerving ending to know that they think they found all the bodies they think they solved it there's still two dead bodies in the attic and another one about to happen and probably another dead cop and nobody can stop it. Yeah. And it's such a creepy ending. Yeah. And just like silent credits. I watched the whole credits because I was like, are we? Are they going to yeah. give us like an after credits? It's credit so time? good. I do wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, I know we're out of time. Yeah. They didn't say anything about it, but they, in the very beginning, when in that sound clip, when they were like listening to the phone, they were like, is that one person or more than one person? Yeah. I wonder 
if both of the guys were in on it together and if there were two killers. I think it's just Billy, but I think Peter could have been. But Peter, like, Peter was so fucking weird. Yeah. Oh, man, I love this movie so much. I'm so stoked you enjoyed it, too, Jesse. That's uh, great. Tweet at us if you've seen this movie, if you saw the first remake, which came out in, I think, 2004, and if you're going to see the new one. Um, also, throw some suggestions our way for next week, because that'll probably be our final show of the year with how the holidays fall. Uh, and Jesse's going to pick it, I promised. Uh-huh. Until next time, you can find me at the Ben Begley. Jesse, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Too Much Jesse and for Sketch at The Prom Losers. Yeah, I wanted to finish with the more important one. That's why I said Stop at it. The Prom Losers. Stop Check it. it out. And until next time, what is your guilty movie pleasure? For producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.